In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing responding to medical emergencies. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Medic, Medic. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This is Luke 10, verse 34, and it reads like this. And the Samaritan went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Good verse for us today because we are talking about responding to medical situations. Everything from the mass trauma to the smallest cut or boo-boo that somebody might have. And so let's jump into some news stories here. Um, This is Hutchinson, I'm probably saying that wrong, Delaware, late October 2022. A woman age 84 attending a church with her husband felt ill. She got up and headed for the door to the foyer. The ushers noticed her difficulty and tried to assist her when she collapsed. She lost consciousness and the ushers recognized it was a cardiac arrest. They were trained in CPR So they kept her alive until EMTs arrived and took over. Five months later, uh, she met with the men who saved her life. Chesapeake, Virginia, September 2017. A woman speaking at a Woman's Day service began to repeat herself and stuttered. Then she became unsteady and collapsed. It was a ruptured aneurysm. Uh, The pastor and others rushed to help her, called 911. Um, they then prayed, as they prayed, EMTs came in and took her to the hospital. The aneurysm was clamped shut in surgery, stopping the hemorrhage. The quick response saved her life and spared her from disability. All right, so before we continue, I just want to remind you that we do have a download for this. So if you drop into the comment section, you can sign up for our newsletter and get the download. And that just gives you some talking notes uh, for your team. All right, so... In Wesley's article, the first thing he does is he actually um, reminds us of the signs and symptoms for heart attack and stroke and heat stress or uh, hypothermia and all that good stuff, gets into choking and all that kind of stuff. Instead, what I want to focus on is on the second part of his article, which talks about training and it talks about equipment. One of the common questions I get is what kind of medical equipment should we have? And the answer is very quite simple. And it's simply this. What are you trained to use? It's that simple. What are you trained to use? And then buy the equipment that supports what you're trained to do. So I'll give you a kind of an example here. Let's talk about the first level, if you will, the, very, the minor medical things that can occur at churches. Like I'm talking cuts and bruises, burns, uh, maybe it's headaches or pain or indigestion and all that kind of stuff. Um, that kind of training to deal with those types of things is typically your first aid CPR training that you would get through the American Red Cross or the American Heart Association or sometimes even... Um, Fire departments will offer these kind of classes. Tends to be about eight hours of training. When you get done, you get your little certification card. Great training. Um, And the people that I suggest you get training is first, 
you know, a couple people out of the children's ministry. Now, we always want to train as many people as possible, but we at least want a couple out of the children's ministry, maybe some ushers, maybe some door greeters. Um, I think people on the staff should be um, trained in this, you know, because we never, you know, who's going to be there during the week, right? Things can happen on a on a Tuesday afternoon just as easily as they can happen on a Sunday or Wednesday night. So we want some staff members trained and then as many safety team members as possible. If you have that kind of basic training in place, that justifies the first set of medical equipment that you'd probably want. And that's just a basic first aid kit. Now these are ones that you can typically buy pre-packaged. I like the wall cabinets and I like to place them in certain areas. I like to have one in the kitchen because that's a place prone for injury. Um, so having one in the kitchen doesn't have to be a super huge one, but you know, small. So there's stuff in there for people working in the kitchen. Um, the second thing is I like to have one in the children's area. Now, obviously, putting that kind of cabinet in the children's area not only needs to be central, but it also needs to be mounted on the wall out of the reach of kids. The other thing I like to do is I like to take all the meds out of the one in the children's section. So that's typically your aspirin and Advil and Tylenol. They'll have some anti-indigestion stuff. It just depends, you know, maybe some Tums, that kind of stuff. Take all the meds out of that one. And then I'm going to take them to the next place that we should have basic medical supplies. And that's the welcome desk, right? Because that's going to be where the majority of people go should they have a cut or a burn or, or whatever they have going on. Maybe it's just they got a massive headache or back pain or whatever. That's where they're going to go and ask for those kind of things. And so it's nice to have some basic medical supplies there. So that's your level one, if you will. I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with names here, but that's your level one. You know, just your basic stuff. The next thing is this. Stop the bleed training is really sweeping across the nation. Um, I'm sure there's already some other um, stop the bleed type training, but you get my point here. This is going to be the use of tourniquets. It's going to be the use of pressure bandages. They probably are going to cover wound packing. They may or may not cover uh, nasal airways. They may or may not cover um, uh, treating a collapsed lung. Depending on the training you get there then, you're going to buy the equipment to go with it. Now that's two different things typically. The first one is an individual first aid kit. Um, I like this to be carried by everybody on the safety team for a couple of reasons. Now, in this individual first aid kit, you're probably going to have a tourniquet, you're probably going to have a pressure bandage, and you're probably going to have at least two sets of medical gloves. You can make them bigger. Some people like to add scissors to that. Some like to add gauze for wound packing, that kind of thing. But I would say at minimum, a tourniquet, pressure bandage, and medical gloves. And the reason we want our safety team members to carry it is for a couple of reasons. The first thing is it's we're basically copying the military. When soldiers go to war, they all have their individual first aid kit. And that material is meant for that soldier. So if the worst case scenario happens, there's an active shooter and somebody on the team is shot. Well, as a buddy runs over to help them, they can use that equipment to immediately provide aid to them. The other thing is, is if a buddy can't get to them because we got bigger fish to fry, like an active killer, 
um, then you have the materials you need to save yourself. So if you're shot in the leg and you need to throw a tourniquet on your leg, you can do that or on your arm. Or if it's not quite to the point where it needs a, it needs a tourniquet, maybe you're using that pressure bandage. It's, you know, it's meant for you. It's meant for your buddy to make sure that we're saving lives. The other thing is this. If there is a mass trauma event and things are under control and now they're now more safe, now we can use that individual first aid kit to start providing aid while somebody is running to go get the next step, and that's your mass trauma bag. Now, the mass trauma bag is really just more of the same uh, for the individual first aid kits. It's more tourniquets, it's more pressure bandages, it's more uh, hemostatic gauze for wound packing, it's more gloves, it maybe includes nasal airways, and that kind of stuff. And so these are ideas, what's the best thing to do about these things is really storing them strategically through the building so they're easy to get. Um, the other thing I want to go back to real quick is the, um, another reason why the individual first aid kits are so important. Imagine if the event is still ongoing, but you find yourself in a warm area in lockdown and you need to provide medical aid. If you have at least a tourniquet and a pressure bandage on you, you can help people in that area, uh, at least you know one, maybe two people, but it's better than nothing. Okay. So that's the next level. So first aid, uh, first aid CPR certification. We're talking medical cabinets, basic medical cabinets. Stop the bleed training, which should hopefully is your entire team and as many other people as you can train on as possible. That's going to be now you're talking about the IFACs, individual first aid kits, and the mass trauma bags. The next level up from that is this, and it typically is if you have anyone on your team that's either certified in basic life support, EMT, paramedic, ER nurse. Uh, most of us are going to be lucky to have people like that. Um, maybe there's only one, maybe there's only two, because we're talking about 40 hours of training, 160 hours of training, and beyond. If you have those kind of people, the medical equipment you need for them is for whatever they want. Go to them and say, hey, we want you to help us populate and make up a medical bag for you. What is it that you want in there? And they will give you the list of everything they want in there. And it's going to be things that they're happy with. They know they work. They're, they're comfortable with the equipment. We actually want them to kind of take ownership of the bag. And what I mean by that is not that they're taking it home with them, but rather it's their bag. And so they can pack it out the way they want with the equipment they need, and it's familiar. And so if there is a major event, that's their bag, and they're going to be able to help a lot of people um, with that. So that's basically your three levels, right? And buying the equipment to support the training that your team has. So I hope that makes sense. Pretty basic, pretty simple, but it's something that we all need to think about and start taking steps to get us closer and closer to that. I like as many trained people as possible, um, but I know how hard it is to get everybody in the same room at the same time to go through training, but we do what we can, and uh, the more the merrier. Um, other than that, I just want to let you know uh, my Shepherding the Sheepdog book is now available on Amazon. So go check that out. I think uh, it's going to really help some. It's really designed for leadership to get an idea of what it's like to lead a safety ministry. Now, I'm not talking necessarily the safety director, though safety directors could definitely benefit from this book. 
but it's really written for pastors and board members and other people that maybe don't have a lot of knowledge or understanding of how this kind of ministry looks and works and, and all that kind of stuff. And it helps kind of, it gives them the information they need to be a good leader for a safety ministry. Other than that, if you like this video, please like, comment, share. Let's get a conversation going on in the comment section if you like. Um, other than that, thank you so much for being here this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.